Hey, this is Eastlake BBA, and this is our podcast. We want to thank you for joining us today. We hope this inspires you. We hope this builds your faith. Enjoy the message. Good evening, everybody. My name is Christian. I'm an alcoholic. I'm an uh, addict, a I'll do anything you put in front of me kind of a person. Um, and the beautiful thing about Big Book Awakening, well, first off, Luis, I can't see what the... Are you here? Uh, um, I'd like to thank Luis and Oliver and everyone who who puts this meeting together and shows up consistently. Um, Luis for asking me to speak and you guys for showing up on a regular basis during COVID, after COVID and, and, and carrying this message. And my intent is to carry a message of hope, which hopefully someone can identify with and relate to and understand and maybe... Maybe you'll find yourself to be an alcoholic. Maybe you, I don't know. I, you know, I, every time I speak, I just want to be a channel or an instrument of God's love. And when I first came here, if I heard someone say that at the podium, I probably would have walked out the door because I didn't want to have anything to do with God. Um, gosh. Um, so I'm kind of, you know, I'm kind of, or I'm talking, I decided I kind of prayed and meditated on like what I want to talk about. And like what came up for me was with step 10 and um, a particular passage that came out at me, which, um, which I want to talk about. But then it's like, there are some people that introduce themselves. So I, I feel like I just need to, first I need to start my timer. Um, uh, we'll say 20 minutes, right? I loved drinking and doing drugs. I loved the effect produced by that. Um, from day one, um, it was my solution to life. It was, uh, if you've been here long enough, you might kind of, you might have heard the promises. There's a bunch of promises throughout the steps, but there's promises in particular in step nine that... Um, Alcohol made me feel that way, and I guess maybe I can um, kind of explain that for someone who hasn't heard what those are yet, but these are the promises. This is supposedly, this is, halfway through we're doing an immense process. These are some of the promises that, have, that come true in your life that are promised to us from the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. So it starts off with saying, if we're painstaking about this phase of our development, we will be amazed before we are halfway through. We are going to know a new freedom and a new happiness. Alcohol and drugs did that for me. We will not regret the past nor wish to shut the door on it. It also did that for me. We will comprehend the word serenity and we will know peace. I knew serenity and peace when I was drinking. No matter how far down the scale we have gone, we'll see how our experience can be benefit others. When I was drinking, I don't know if I really cared about being a benefit to others. It was all about me. But um, that feeling of uselessness and self-pity will disappear. We will lose interest in selfish things and gain interest in our fellows. Self-seeking will slip away. Our whole attitude and outlook upon life will change. Fear of people and of economic insecurity will leave us. We will intuitively know how to handle situations which used to baffle us. We suddenly realize that alcohol is doing for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. And in here it says God. So I say that because alcohol worked well for me for a long time. Um, I love the effect produced by alcohol from the first sip. Um, and just to fast forward, you know, I, I've been here long enough to realize that alcohol and drugs are a symptom. This might seem weird if you're new, but it's like really today, you know, 22 years into this deal, 
I don't have a physical problem with alcohol and drugs. Um, the book talks about and says in the, in the forewords that we have recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. And what that means for me and what, uh, what they're saying is I have recovered from the mental obsession, which means I no longer obsess about alcohol. I'm not thinking about it. I'm not thinking about not drinking. I'm not thinking about drinking. And the, um, I've recovered from this physical, physical state, meaning I no longer have the uh, phenomenon of craving. So I came here. It took me, this is my second time around. The first time around, I truly thought that alcohol, I was done with drinking. I had a sincere desire to stop drinking. I didn't want to do it any longer. There was a lot of consequences in my life. I totaled another car. Um, I lost another job. Another relationship ended. I'm still stealing money from mom because I lived with my mom until I got sober. Um, and I truly thought with this honest desire to not drink, I went into rehab and I, I felt that drink, stopping drinking, stopping dr- doing drugs was the problem, which looking back at that, what that means to me is like, I, I thought that alcoholism was only this physical allergy. And if you remove that, problem solved. Um, so with this kind of outlook on what I thought alcoholism was and what I needed to do, um, I left that rehab and I went to one meeting a week. I got a sponsor I didn't call and I didn't go through the steps because I'd already gone through the first three in rehab. And um, I thought that was enough. I thought that self-knowledge of what I had and what I needed to do if it got bad enough would be enough for me to stay stopped for good. Um, It wasn't. Um, I was the same person minus the alcohol and drugs. So I went on a really bad six-month bender to where I was drinking, doing cocaine every day, and smoking weed every day, and I, I was doing it every day up until I totaled my car again one night. And um, I realized, like, I, I, I woke up in a hospital the next day, and I came home. I walked home from the hospital, and um, I got on my knees, and I said, God, please help me. Um, I was... I was afraid of dying, and I knew that I, my life up to this point consisted of all I wanted to do was get drunk. All I wanted to do was check out and feel numb and not, not feel any bad feelings. Like, um, I just didn't, you know, I, I didn't want to be that way anymore. And, and to what I see today is a moment of clarity or God saying to me that there's more to life than what I had been experiencing up to those first 25 years of life. And... Um, I was as desperate as a drowning person could be, and I, I came to the, went to the rehab again, and then I got out, and I went to Alcoholics Anonymous, and I really sought this, this out, this, like, like my life depended on it, because it, it does depend on it. I'm an alcoholic, and so what, I, what that means to me is I have this physical allergy, which means when I drink, this craving for more happens. It doesn't happen in normal people. I have the mental obsession that brings me back every time to this drink, no matter, despite the consequences. I drink no matter what. Stone cold sober, knowing all the things I've done in the past, I go out and drink. I have no mental defense against alcohol, and I knew that. I finally knew that I could not stay sober on my own, and I finally was desperate enough, suffering enough, and in enough pain to seek something else outside of myself, and that was Alcoholics Anonymous. And Alcoholics Anonymous, I'm grateful for what I see today is God brought me to Alcoholics Anonymous, and Alcoholics Anonymous really introduced me to a God of my understanding, which is the most important per- like thing in my life today. And for me to say that is a very strange thing, because when I came here, I did not want to have anything to do with God. Um, it was a weakness. Um, any of the, the words spirituality, faith, blessings, God, 
um, like anything to do with that, I was highly against. And I don't think I hated God, but I just disliked that because it, it seemed like a weakness to me in the beginning. But I feel if, if anyone gets to as low as I have or as we have who have been sober long enough, we start to realize, and I started to realize that it talks about in our book, that the first requirement be that, that we be convinced that any life run on self-will can hardly be a success. And that was blatantly obvious and it was clear to me. And now when I say our life can hardly be a success, run on self-will, that's drunk or sober for me. So I needed to understand that I had the spiritual, the spiritual um, disease, the spiritual malady, which is the third component of this disease that, of alcoholism. And it's this, the, the spiritual malady is explained in our book as um, the bedevilment on page 52, which talks about um, we were having trouble with personal relationships. We were prey to misery and depression. We couldn't be of use to anyone. Um, we weren't happy, couldn't make a living. Like, these are the things that go on my life, run on self-will. I become very miserable. My life becomes very small. And I just go through life with blinders on. And what's the quickest, easiest way for me to gain pleasure and happiness out of life? And it becomes completely, I become completely self-centered. And as a self-centered alcoholic, I'm searching for the easy way out. I'm not usually searching for God or who can I help today to get me out of self or praying or meditation. Like that's with a lot of repetition through many years, that's, that's my routine and that's what I do now. But sometimes it takes a few minutes, sometimes a few hours. Sometimes the selfishness is, it sneaks up on me in, in ways that I can't explain. But So I show up with this desperation and I'm told I need to believe in a power greater than myself. And I was willing to do that. I didn't know what it was. I can't tell you, I can't paint a picture for you really as to what God is, but I started as I went through this process to realize that I do not need to define this God. All I need to know in step two is that God either, either I believe in God or I'm willing to believe. And that belief was there because I was so in so much pain, I didn't want to experience that anymore. And you guys kept telling me, you just need to believe. And I'm like, for me early on, my higher power was Alcoholics Anonymous. I believed that the process of AA and going through the steps would work. I knew that the obsession would be relieved and I knew that I would have a better life as a result of that. And that was because old timers before me like shared the pain that I was in that they were in and how they got, got through that and out of that. And it started my journey with you know, gaining a relationship with this God and turning my life, my, um, to turn my life and my thoughts over the care of this God, which was Alcoholics Anonymous in the beginning. People were telling me like, you need to pray to God. I'm like, what does that even look like? I don't know how to pray. I know the Our Father. I know the Hail Mary. Like, what do I do? And I had people telling me, and my sponsor in particular, um, keep it simple. They say, please, God, help me stay sober in the morning and thank him at the end of the night. And it was really that simple for me in the beginning. And I started to learn these prayers in the book of the third step prayer, the seventh step prayer, the 11 step prayer. And I started memorizing these and saying these and getting on in, in old timers were saying, you, you need to get on your knees. And I was so willing that I was, I was so willing to do whatever anyone said that I was getting on my knees in the morning, praying to a God I didn't understand and realizing I was getting some relief from that. Because for the first time I started internally knowing I was doing something right in my life and internally knowing that this was the right thing to do. And I was on the right track for the first time in my life. And this relationship, you know, 
people say, you know, how do you know you did a good third step? That's if you're in a fourth step. It says we launched off into a course of vigorous action, which is where I take a look at my resentments, my fears, my, my sexual conduct, which are things I didn't want to look at. But again, I'm faced with this fear and um, I don't want to go back to drinking. At the end of the day, that's what this is all about. I realize that I lack power. Lack of power is my dilemma and I need to gain connection to access to this power, to this God. And these resentments, these fears and this conduct and the shame and guilt that I have, um, which I start to put down on paper, I start to realize that this is blocking me from the only thing that's going to save me. And I reluctantly did so. I reluctantly got on my, got on my knees and held hands with another man and said the third step prayer in a park. But I chose the most, furthest most part, point of the park where hopefully nobody was watching. <laughs> and, you know, I started to have a, a feeling of peace and, and kind of purpose in my life. I started to realize, like, I was no longer thinking about drinking. And it, for me, it, the obsession stopped early on. I'm grateful that I did not have the obsession to drink um, for long into my sobriety. That's not everyone's story. Dr. Bob had the obsession to drink for probably four years into this deal. But I was supposed to talk on step 10, but I, I felt moved to say something else. So we'll get to that. But so I put down everything on paper and um, I start to realize like these, these resentments in more, well, all of them, but fear is what drove me. Fear is what drove me. And like I have, I don't like it when people say quotes out that are not out of the big book. But I always like when I read certain things other than AA material, um, I always write little things down and this kind of resonated with me and kind of what I'm talking about now. And it's, um, it's really quick. It's fear is often the force that prevents us, prevents me from acquiring and cultivating the power of faith. Fear is the death of mindfulness. Fear blocks my appreciation of beauty, tolerance, forgiveness, service, and serenity. Right actions can't flow from fear. Um, and like... That was it. I started to realize in this, in this, uh, in this fourth step that I've done many times and continue to see that fear is blocking me from what, what I need. If fear is blocking me from this power from God, um, I can't see the beauty of life. I can't really appreciate that. I can't see what I can do for others when I'm living in fear. And our book talks about how um, there's one pa- there is one who has all power. That one is God. May you find him now. And what I have found is that God exists in this moment, in these moments, not in the past, not in the future. That's why I need to be rid of these, this past that I'm, that I'm shameful of, this past of people that I'm angry at, and this future of how afraid I am of losing something I already have or losing something that, I'm not gonna, that I really want. Like, I'm constantly in the future and in the past and not able to appreciate this moment where, where my God and where this power lives. And I was able to, and many times, have put this, these fears down and realizing this runs my entire life um, and I need to be rid of it. And after doing, writing out, after reading this to a man of my, from my whole life of my resentments and, and fears and conduct um, and realizing that I was not able, this was, this was the best that I could do on running on Christian's will. This was the best I could do out of life without God. And it was kind of a blueprint of what, I, what my life looks like without God. Um, and at the end of that, most people, I included, um, I did not want to be that person. I never wanted to be that person. 
And I wanted to grow in effective and understanding and, and, and grow closer to this God that, that I started building this relationship with. And I realized as much as I can't control the amount that I drink once I start drinking, I can't stay stopped on my own. I also can't remove these fears on my own. I can't remove this conduct. Because in BBA, which is really awesome, I, um, there's, in this process, um, it ex- when we go through the fourth column, we start to see our part, where we're selfish, self-seeking, dishonest, and afraid. And what was really cool is through going through this process in BBA, which is really in-depth, along Alcoholics Anonymous line of, out of this book, I start to see that truly everything, fear runs everything. I am... Um, I'm fearful that, uh, you know, there's this fear that drives me, drives this like delusional thinking. Like I think I know, you know, what's going on. And as a result of this delusional thinking, like I need this to be happy. They need to act this way for me to be happy. I start showing up in life with this thinking of like, this is what people need to do. This is what I need to have. And as a result of this thinking, I start to show up and it starts to show up in my behavior. I start not being so loving and kind. I start thinking about myself more than you guys. And then eventually people are mad. I'm suffering because all I can think about is the short, easy way out and I'm suffering. And, and I know well into this deal, I will drink if I do not continue to, to grow in, in, effective, in understanding and effectiveness and grow towards that God and ask God into my life on a daily basis. And I, you know, I'm after, so the six and seven goes into, I can't remove this on my own. I'm going to have God do this. What does that look like? That's a very abstract, abstract kind of concept. Like how does giving it away or letting it go? Like how does... Okay, so if I ask God, please take away this fear, please take away these defects of character, like they'll just be removed. Like it just seems weird and kind of voodoo, hocus pocus, like just weird stuff. And it, I, again, it begin, in the beginning, it came as a belief. And as a result of doing this throughout the years, it's become a strong faith, a faith that I know this works. Whether logically I think it's going to work or not, my experience shows me that it always has. And it all come in... So God removes that, and then I'm in a more of a, play, a loving state and more a trusting process to go forward and make these amends to people I've harmed. You know, all the way in the beginning, it was all the way back then, and now it's like just throughout my day. Like, I, I start looking at my 10th step, and the 10th step says, so, I, you know, I've talked to you about being sober a while, but, um, and I've talked to you saying, like, that I've recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. That does not mean I'm an alcohol- not an alcoholic. I will be an alcoholic for the rest of my life until the day I die. So it says in step 10, what we have is a daily reprieve contingent on the maintenance of our spiritual condition. Um, every day is a day, and this was actually what I was going to talk about. Every day is a day, and we... we we talk about, in Alcoholics Anonymous, there's nothing that we need to do. You know, these are all subtle suggestions. But I take these, the, the, the words in here, a little more literally, and there's a few musts and need-tos. One of the first musts is back in um, talking about the four-step, how it says we need to be rid of, selfishness and self-centeredness is the root of our problem. We must be rid of this. We must or it kills us. What does that mean? That means if I sit in selfishness and self-centeredness long enough, the obsession is going to return. I'm going to drink. For me to drink and to do drugs is to die. And I know that. I'm clear on that. I, I, I know that for a fact. So I need to be rid of that. And I'm over, and I'll wrap it up here in, in, in a minute, I think. I'm sorry. Uh, 
<laughs> I start getting real excited. Um, I feel like there's some forward momentum and now I need to stop. But anyways, um, so every day is a day when we must carry, must. This is for me. Every day is a day when I must carry the visions of God, the vision of God's will into all my activities. How can I best serve thee that I will not mind be done? These are thoughts which go, must go with me constantly. We can exercise our willpower along this line as we, as we wish. It is the proper use of the will. So this means that finally I have power once it's in, in parallel or along with God's will. Um, and it's like, you know, with this 10th step in... There's also, I was talking to Chris about this on the ride up, and thank you for coming up with me. Um, it's 10th step. I was talking about nine step promises in the beginning. The 10th step has some promises, which are we are placed in a position of neutrality, safe and protected. Um, cease fighting everything. I'm paraphrasing, but now I'm just trying to sound perfect. That doesn't matter. Um, and if we have ceased fighting anything or anyone, even alcohol, for this time, sanity will have returned. We will seldom be interested in liquor. If tempted, we recoil from it as from a hot flame. We react sanely and normally, and we'll find that this happened automatically. After I've done a lot of stuff, the prior steps before this, we will see that our new attitude towards liquor has been given without any thought or effort on our part. It just comes. That is the miracle of it. We're not fighting it, and we're not avoiding temptation. We feel as though we've been placed in a position of neutrality, safe and protected. We've not sworn it off. Instead, the problem has been removed. That is as long as um, this is how we react so long as we keep in fit spiritual condition. And that's what this, the rest of this deal on a daily basis for the rest of my life is about doing a 10 step, staying connected to this power, understanding that of my own, I am nothing and I am drunk and I will die. But with God, I am powerful and I am everything. And um, that is all I have to share. So thank you so much for listening. All right, thank you, buddy. No, that's good, man. Yeah, that's good. All right, Octavio, call it. Christian, thank you. I can relate to that fear. You know, when I get stuck in fear, I get blocked from God and blocked from taking that initiative, right? That moving forward. So yeah, I'm just grateful. I just recover easier from not having a good day sometimes and just restart my day and learning to um, just to be more patient, you know? And I, I think to, for me, like one of the biggest things that I um, regret, you know, when I was drinking was um, my family, you know, like the family. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we needed that party song, huh? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so I wasn't there for my family, you know. I really, I, I really um, had the best intentions, and I wasn't like uh, loving and caring. And I always mention about like the my the wedding picture, right? I come in from a blackout, and then I wake up in the morning, and I wanted to see if the wedding picture was up because if that was up, I didn't screw up that bad. If it was, I get the uh, what's it called the silent treatment. So I I was kind of. And now that, now that I changed and I've done a lot of good stuff, now I'm there for my family, you know? Maybe I'm overdoing it, you know? Like, I spent so many hours with my father today. Uh, he had to go to the Toyota dealership, get a couple things done. Some things were outrageous, and I'm like, you know what? I'll get it done for you 
So I was working on his vehicle for a little bit and I'm not that handy, but I can YouTube and do other things. And I saved him some money. And, and again, you know, I'm able to like, look at the bright side. For example, like we got the, this um, elect electrical box upgraded in his house, but then the inspector saw the patio and they were like, there's no permits there, tear it down. So now we're working on trying to figure that out. It's going to cost some money to go dump the wood and different things. And so I talked to a guy today and he's going to give us a quote on how much it's going to cost to break it down. Obviously it's pretty heavy and I need help and, and I'm going to be there to help out too. So anyways, I'm not about just my, about myself, super selfish back in the days. So and now I'm about helping other people and I'm involved in different mentorship programs and different things I'm doing. And, and it's not like I'm asking for like, like rewards, you know, but part of what I do with NKP and I'm going to get the Ron Herring awards. And I think I mentioned it and Mike, you know about this. Um, so it's because I'm not just a service here in AA, but I'm at service with my family and my career, right? I work with formerly incarcerated at a college and all I do now is about giving back where before it was about taking and taking, you know? So definitely I trust God now and I love God and I love this program because, you know, before I hated being an alcoholic and I thought everything was about weakness. If you get help, you go to counseling, therapy, all that. And now it's about being an example. You know, I had my hopes up that my sister Dora was gonna be here. We were texting back and forth all day. And, um, and I asked her, I'll give you a ride. He goes, no, I'll meet you there. And, uh, and again, God only knows, you know, when she's gonna be ready. I'm just gonna put it that way. But other than that, thank you. Uh, hi, I'm Janice, and um, I'm an alcoholic, and a lot of the other things, too, you know, I don't limit it. Um, <clears throat> when I started the program back in uh, 2006, um, and BBA 2008, um, I took step 10 and I pasted it all around my computer at work. And, um, and I read it every morning that came in. Back then, you didn't have as much screen. You had a lot of outside stuff. And, <clears throat> and I read it um, pretty much faithfully every day for, for some time. And, um, and I was like you, I did not. God was not something in my vocabulary, and um, I got to know God a little bit about what I do for a living, okay, and I work on pieces of equipment from the 50s all the way to the present, state of the art on electronics, and <clears throat> I was working on something that was back in the 50s, and I had no clue really how to do it and um, and I was so frustrated you know and I'm in this place by myself no one to ask no help and I'm just sitting there and all of a sudden I said God right and um, and then tears just came out of my eyes and I said I can't do this anymore and I just put it aside, and I went back to my desk, and the 10th step was right there on my computer, you know? And I read it, and I did the 11th, and all of a sudden, 
I got a new perspective of how to repair this, this circuit I was working on. <clears throat> now to me, that was amazing. That's how this book has helped me learn a lot of, a lot of my job. Because <laughs> um, I go to it, and I do my 10th step, and I do my 11th step. I know this sounds crazy, but this is, this is what, what happened for me, you know, going through this program. Um, <clears throat> and religiously, I used to, I don't quite, uh, well, I do every morning, I do my, my, um, my prayer and so forth. Um, but when I was started do, doing all of this, you know, I would do it in the morning. Okay. Um, and one of the things that um, that I do now is I'm, I'm constantly asking. Now, fear really gets in my way. And, and I know in the program they say, you know, what false, something appearing real. And I heard recently, um, um, feel everything and relax. And um, that tends to work. And today, um, this 10 and 11 really helped me along with um, some friends um, the last three days. Um, I value myself a lot, in, and I still do, and I, I didn't realize I still do until today, um, about um, my money, you know, my material things. And um, I had this fear that um, this person, these people, are going to sue me, you know, and um, which would probably take some of my money, which I don't like giving it away. Um, but the moment I wrote down, you know, uh, page 417, God, you know, please allow me to have the acceptance of forgiving myself for what I did. Please help me have the acceptance of your child that I hurt. And please help me have the acceptance of forgiving myself and forgiving them. And um, Please help me have the acceptance of what, um, whatever is going to come out of this whole situation and for me to just be able to accept it, whatever the outcome, what it was going to be, losing, some, losing money um, or not. And, um, and let me have a, a new perspective of this whole thing. And after I did that prayer, I um, got in my car and drove off to the meeting I was supposed to be at, and um, 
I got a new perspective of thing, of it. So this really works. You know, it really does. <laughs> I'm always amazed, you know. It's when I turn and I do this, I'm always amazed. But, you know, I couldn't do this. I couldn't get into this acceptance. It took me 48 hours at least to be able to talk to someone about it. And I had a really dear friend to listen. And, and I'm not like that. I'm not the type of person to talk to people about things, you know. And um, but being in God's world and being in my heart um, causes, causes me, I'm different, you know. I'm more vulnerable, um, you know. I, I, I don't have this wall between me and others. And I just feel very vulnerable. Did my thing go off and I wasn't paying attention? I'm so sorry, but thank you, everyone. Hi again, everybody. My name is Evan. I am an alcoholic. And Chris, I, uh, Christian, I thank you very much for your share. Uh, you started, you know, your, your speech, you know, uh, saying that you hope that you help anybody. And that's what this program is about, you know. And uh, there is some people over here that, I, that, I, that have an impact on me in my recovery. Because when I came here, you know, I was just like you were. You described, uh, you know, uh, uh, I, I can identify with you with everything that you were saying. You know, and I remember when I came, I came to this this last time, you know, the people that had an impact on me. And uh, it was, it's Luis, it's Pat, believe it or not, because he doesn't know that. <laughs> Michael and uh, some other people here, you know, but that's in the beginning. I have Anna in there, Oliver, you know, of course it's my, my sponsor. But, uh, you know, when, uh, when I joined the program, uh, I used to go to two meetings at least per day. And him and I and Rodney, we used to go all over the place. You know, and about four years ago, we went to your, to your meeting. I don't remember the town, but it was in La Mesa or someplace there, or wherever you, you, you used to have a meeting in, in, in there, you know. And uh, I remember when you were talking, and uh, you had an impact on me. Uh, I don't know if you shined that day, but it was just what I needed, you know. And I remember, ever since I remember you, I see you, you know, speaking in, in an old town uh, a few more times, you know. So it was, it's always a pleasure, you know, to, that somebody remind my disease and how, how I start to get better in this program, you know. Because uh, you, you were, you know, you describe everything and, you know, everything that you say, you started, you know, by, uh, uh, talking about the promises and how the alcohol helped you to all the drugs, you know, you were there, you know, and, uh, and, and that, you know, helped you through, and through that time, you know, so I, 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 the same thing that it happens to me, you know, I, you know, when you were talking about the page, uh, uh, page 52, you know, that's the whole program for me in there, you know, that's my disease, that's, you know, the, the, the devilments in there and, and, and my spiritual melody, that's, that's what is in there, you know. And I was not aware of any of those things, you know, neither did I believe, you know. I didn't believe in God just like you described everything, 
and uh, and and that's what uh, what uh, it, it helps me, you know, live today. You know, without God, I can imagine, you know, living without God. You know, and uh, but that is not easy. Let me tell you. You talking about being twenty-four, you know, to watch out every twenty-four hours. You know, you all, all it takes for me five minutes. You know, five minutes, and the and the and the goddamn um, my ego start getting into me, and it's all over. You know, that's you know, uh, you, today and yesterday I was very close. You know, to to explode again. You know. And uh, uh, because there is, you know, I'm going through hard times getting people to work, you know, so I'm moody, you know. And I thank God every single minute that I had to, I had to pause and I had to last these few minutes that helped me, you know, uh, lead through the day comfortable, you know. So every, every, every single time that I, you know, I get these flashes, you know, I explode for five minutes, my God, and I regret it immediately, you know. And that's what you were talking about in the 10 step. You know, that's what you have to do you immense, uh, 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 all, all, you have to watch out, you know. Time after time after time after time, even, you know, if it's five minutes at a time, you have to, you, you know, you, you have to watch out every five minutes, you know. Because, you know, a, 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 a guy like me, you know, that I, I'm, I'm, you know, I, exaggerate everything, every single little issue is a giant issue, you know, and, and I don't have no patience, my God, you know, I, I, that, I don't have that, my God, I explode immediately, God, and I can get up and start yelling at you or giving you the looks, and, 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 and man, I forgot those days, you know, for a long time, and I don't want to go back there, you know, you were talking about God, you know, like God is everything or God is nothing that's in my mind all the time, Time after time, and uh, man, thank God for this program and and for you guys because this is life for us. Life is a little better with with you guys around. And Christian, I thank you for you know for sharing your your experience with us. Thank you. My name is Oliver. I'm an alcoholic. Christian, thank you for coming. And what Chef said, I share completely, my friend. I have heard you speak a few times and. Every time you have spoken has inspired me a lot. A lot. You speak from the heart, and I like that from your experience. So thank you for coming. And uh, and what and then I love the way that you started the meeting with the nine step promises because I have always said the same thing. The problem with me is that I wasn't well equipped to live my life, and the only way that I could feel at peace was when I was high. That's it. Period. Drugs and alcohol for me were never a problem, man. They were always my solution. Always, 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 always. So when that solution stopped working and I came here and I had to find something to replicate what Booz did for me, man, was was really hard. It was really, really, really hard. But you know, thank God after after doing the steps, I mean the steps work, man. I mean they do work. I mean they're 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 magical, man. If you do if you do the steps and if you do them always, and what I mean by always, I mean the ten steps an all-day thing, man. It's a, for me it's an all-day thing. The 10th step is when I wake up until I go to bed at night, man. And all day long, I have to be watching all those lies that I used to believe that I saw in the fifth step. You see, the illusionary Oliver, the guy that I created, my alternative reality that I lived all by all my life. That's what I watch for every day, all day long. Because there's triggers. I mean, the world still goes on. And I still get triggered. But the beautiful thing about that today 
is that I know it's a lie. I don't know if that makes sense. Because it is a lie. A lie that I believed all my life does not exist. Sometimes it may take me 48 hours, sometimes it may take me two hours, sometimes five minutes, but today I understand that that's not true. You see, and um, I'm a person who lived always in the future, always in the past, but it was very difficult to live right here, right now in the present. And, uh, and today that's what I'm trying to do every day. You know, step 10 for me, the discipline that I do all day long is watching myself, watching myself, doing what? Falling back to fear. My life has been ruled by fear, man, everything. My, my two marriages, <laughs> they were based out of fear, and of course they didn't work. All the decisions that I made in my business life, they were all based out of fear. Of course they didn't work. You know, my friendships are gone. Why? Because I picked them so I could feel safe. They're gone. It was all based to fear. So fear has robbed me of my life. You see, that's, that's as simple as that. And I needed to let go of that fear because what it was blocking me. The book talks about resentments blocking me from the spirit, right? And what's a resentment? It's just a disguise for me to keep on hiding my fears. That's all there really is. If you don't do what I want, I'm afraid that you're going to hurt me, you're going to leave me, I'm going to be not enough. So I keep on creating this story over and over and over and over and over again that does not exist. And the, and the sad part is that I was blind to it. I mean, that's a spiritual awakening right there. Just to be conscious that that's exactly what I was doing all my life, you know. I believe that the only place that I can feel God, the only place where I can hear God, man, it's going to sound Chi Chin Chong, but it's just the way it is, man. Where I hear what he tells me, where, where I feel his presence is right here, right now. All my life has happened right here. All of it, all my past and all my future is going to happen right here. I will never be able to escape the right now. You see, so if I can be at ease with that, I used to ask my sponsor, hey, listen, I will give an arm and a leg to know what's God's will for my life. And he just laughed at me and said, Oliver, the will of God is for you to be doing what you're doing, to be feeling what you're feeling, to be living where you're living, to be eating what you're eating, man. The problem is that you do not like the will of God. And your purpose is to be doing what you're doing today. You see, and that's what life is all about for me today. Today, what I have been dealt, that's all there is. There's nothing else. So every time that I find something acceptable, that page 417, that's when I struggle. But why do I struggle? Because it's, it has everything to do with me, what it is that I like and what it is that I don't like. If you love me just the way that I want you to love me, then I'm okay. But if for some reason you were having a bad day and you didn't tell me you loved me the way that I wanted you to tell me that, then you're a bad person and my life goes to shit. <laughs> that's how I used to be. I mean, that's how insane it is. I gave my power to my parents, to my kids, to my friends, to my bosses, to my company. Why? Because they didn't do what I thought they needed to do in order for me to be okay. And when I understood the word compassion, for me, for Oliver, when I saw that Oliver had a little kid that he was hurting inside now, and at everything that I did, all the manipulation, the lies, the cheating, the the drinking, the, all of it, was because I was protecting, mistakenly, a, a child from not feeling fear and pain. But what I created was what destroyed me. That's the sadness of the disease for me, that I protected with everything that I got, with everything that I got, a mistake, a lie, an illusion, 
something that never existed. So to be able to be awakened today, to be able to know that today I have a loving power, I know that the only place that I can experience God is right here, right now, what's happening right now? And be okay with that, man. The love of God is just there, just an automatic. You know, Christians, we, we call it, we've been saved. You know, the Buddhist says, stop suffering. And the yogi says, awakened. They're all the same thing. We're, we've been witnesses of what is, and, and that's the will of God, man. And that's what the 10 step gives me, man. So thank you for coming, and thank you for letting me share. Thanks, Christian. I can relate to everything you said. Uh, oh, sorry, man. No worries. Yeah, I. Uh, you talked about the whole program <laughs> in such a short amount of time. I mean, and you know that's true. We do all those things. I, I wish I could tell you that it was like perfectly linear, like you know, in the way you shared it, but. Um, I remember that when I did my third step, uh, it was very similar. This was before I found Big Book Awakening. And um, <laughs> my sponsor, like, I wanted to meet in a park where I knew there would be nobody around that I knew. And, you know, we got on our knees and we said the prayer. And, you know, it was uh, embarrassing as hell. Um, and, um, you know, but I should back up a little bit because for me to be even, even become willing to do that, you know, it took, um, you know, I went to rehab when I was 15 years old. I, I did uh, lots of drugs and alcohol before that. Uh, I thought drugs were the problem. They told me in rehab that alcohol is a drug, and I, I just couldn't believe it. It was like, no, no, that's not, that's not my problem. Um, so for 20 years, I, I tried to live my life like normal, what I thought was normal. Everybody parties, right? If you don't, you're not normal, <laughs> right? Um, I grew up in a family of uh, two brothers and a sister. None of them are alcoholics or addicts. And I thought they were weird. They were weird. And then I actually lived with my parents when I first got sober. And just being there, I'm like, how does anybody live like this? What, you guys are weird. What is this? Nobody lives like this. So uh, that was my perspective on life. And, and, uh, and before getting sober, it was like, I just couldn't imagine going through life without being able to, to use alcohol or drugs whenever I felt like I needed it. You know, I, had, I had a drug for everything or, al- you know, or alcohol, whatever situation might be. There was something, because I couldn't do it sober. Or sometimes I could, but just in case I couldn't, I needed to have access to whatever I thought I needed for the situation. And to go through life without that, it was just, there was no way. No way in hell I was ever going to be able to do that. But uh, one thing I did know is that life, uh, life was getting harder. You know, and I think that's the bedevilments is, is really what it is. That's life. Bedevilments is just life. Everybody has bedevilments, right? But for an alcoholic or an addict... If we don't have a basic solution for these bedevilments that doesn't include alcohol or drugs, you know, we're going to die. So it's more important for us. But everybody has it. We're not, it's not unique to alcoholics. It's just life's problems, you know, personal relationships. Yeah, if I was alone on an island, <laughs> I'd probably still find something wrong with the voices in my head, you know. The other <laughs> 
or whatever. Um, you know, it's, we're meant to be in community with one another, and, uh, and there's always conflict, right? So um, the steps work. I mean, you know, for me, it was um, a slow start. Um, the high, um, God, hell no. I don't want to hear about God or religion or Christians. I don't want any of that. But I, um, I could use the group as my higher power in the beginning, and I did. You know, until I, I began to realize that it wasn't enough. And I remember my first sponsor, every time I had a problem, he would say, you need, you need a bigger God. Your God needs to be bigger, you know. And, uh, and that, you know, that's true. My God needs to be bigger than a group of, of alcoholics in a, sitting in a room. That's not... Uh, <laughs> some of them are crazy. <laughs> So um, the 10 step, I had to do it today. Um, I, I got to work and I knew that my boss wanted me to do some stuff that I didn't want to do. And one minute, thanks. I, um, I didn't see him all morning. So I, eventually I went to go into his office and I, you know, I had to go to another building and up to the second floor. And I, I just, I did that prayer. How can I best serve thee? Thy will not mine be done. That's kind of like, I can do that real quick in the moment. When I realize I'm about to go interact with somebody, I'm not going to like it, you know. And um, but it was cool, you know. We we had a good talk, and you know, it's not a big deal. I just make it, you know. I want it my way. I want things my way. That's self-centeredness. Um, any life run on self-will can hardly be a success, right? And uh, and yeah, we do find out in the inventory. I I was so pissed off at every at the whole world, everybody, and it's. And it's all fear. It's all, it's all made up. And the fears are just, I make them up. They don't make any sense. There's no logic to them. There's no, it's not uh, like I'm going to die. It's not like being afraid of uh, a, uh, snakes or, or falling, you know, from a cliff. It's just stupid stuff, you know, that I, that, but that prevents me from, from living, you know. So um, it's great benefit to do these steps. I mean, uh, not only does it save my life, but, you know, I, keep, I get to uh, go through life, you know, walking through the fear instead of uh, just running away and being pissed off. So uh, anyway, that's all I have. Thanks. Hi, I'm Janet, alcoholic. Hi, Love everything that's not good for me. <laughs> well, not so much anymore. I'm getting better at that. Um, Christian, thank you so much. Your share was just superb. You know, you really just, just the whole way you put it together was um, hugely beneficial. And uh, the sharing tonight's been really stellar. I've really enjoyed all the shares tonight. Um, you know, just, uh, I know we've got a newcomer in the room. I just want to identify that um, <clears throat> as a teenager, I came to understand that um, I was never satisfied with anything. I was constantly restless and irritable and feeling anxious. And um, I found everything around me was hard to feel comfortable in. I was embarrassed. I was all sorts of things. And um, one day someone offered me a joint and I smoked it. And I was like, oh, this is the answer. This is what I need. Fast forward, I um, found myself smoking very regularly and some four or five years later I was in a situation where 
My parents had divorced or split up and it was a real shock. Nobody knew it was coming. Well, we kind of did, but no one wanted to believe in it. You know, it was like total denial. Elephant in the middle of the room, no one paying any attention to it. You know what I'm talking about. Totally dysfunctional. Anyway, and, uh, and uh, I went down, down the surf with uh, a group of people and we had no weed, no alcohol. And I had a complete meltdown. I couldn't cope being... So, uh, clean, dry, sober, I couldn't do it. I had a complete meltdown. The pain of the emotional crap that had gone down was, it caught up with me, I'd suppressed it, and bam, I was this basket case. And um, it came, after that came a deep depression. And um, so what I learned from that experience was that I absolutely always had to have a bag of weed in my, in my, in my back pocket, you know, that was the obvious solution. So I just kept on using drugs and alcohol as my solution to deal with the pain. Whatever pain I thought was, you know, whatever there was. Anyway, um, so, you know, eventually I got to AA. I had some periods of time where I stopped using, um, I guess on, on my own will. But eventually the time came where I realised that I no longer had any defence against that first drink. I thought I had control until this little window of time came where I was in so much emotional pain and my life had become so chaotic and so completely out of control um, that I realised I had no defence against that first drink. Someone, I, I wasn't going to drink that day again, someone offered me a drink and I took it and I didn't even think about it, it was just a, an automatic response. And it was the next day I arrived in AA. And I was definitely ready. I wanted so badly to stop the chaos and to get some semblance of normalcy back in my life. And I had a little boy who desperately needed his mother to be present. And I wasn't. And I'd forgotten all about him the day before. I don't even know who looked after him, no idea. You know, another time I forgot about him, he was off swimming in the ocean. He was, you know, two years old, swimming in the ocean on his own. Two girls found him and brought him in. I mean, just totally useless. Anyway, so AA became my solution. I wanted to keep coming back to AA. I don't know what happened in that first meeting, but I walked away from there, not thinking about getting another drink or a drug, but about where I could get to my next meeting and that continued and it was a miracle. I got no idea how it happened. So fast forward, for me, the solution is in AA. I know that by being a part of the fellowship, by working the steps and by doing that 10th step every day and really checking myself, that what happens is that I get in touch with um, God dependence and not self-reliance. God reliance, not self-reliance. And here's the thing that's really come to me in this last six to 12 months is that I see now that God is everything. So that means that God's within me, God's within you. God is a love energy that pervades everything. And I just got to switch on the right channel, you know, stay on it. Thanks. Hi, Luis, alcoholic. Luis. Christian, thanks you so much for coming out tonight. Um, I just came from a baseball game, and we lost. 
But we won as a team in the sense that one of the kids hit a home run. Uh, we scored five runs on stealing bases from first all the way. You know, like the kids were able to basically do exactly what, what we asked, which is play with boldness. You know, like that's the key word for our season. Just And um, I share that because in the 10th step, you know, uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure who the newcomer is, but what I found here was a loving God. And I also discovered that God is for us and, um, and God is with us. And over time, um, I have developed more confidence in the promises and the fact that God is for me than in my own self-confidence. And so because I've detached from what I can do and focus on what God is doing in my life, then I can move from fear to faith, right? And so when I go into the games, my kids, we jump in the car and immediately start praying, right? And I know that uh, it said that God is up, you know, depending on your beliefs, but the one I believe in is up in heaven and all prayers go to up there and in the, there's like a bowl in front of them and all the prayers come in. And I also know that God's on both sides. So like today's game, he's on both sides, right? And, and I know that, but I'm, you know, I, it humbles me, right? To run to, my, to God as I look to him as Papa and just say, hey, you know, I know you're with, on both sides, you know, um, but yeah, I ask for strength and courage, right? For wisdom and guidance. And um, uh, where was I gonna go with that? I totally just lost my train of thought. Um, so anyway, step 10. I think that was the topic for tonight. Yeah. Step 10. If God's on both sides, then, and if we are his children, as this book tells us, then when we, in essence, mess up or get butt hurt or whatever, you know, in essence, our, it says that children are here to make their, their parents proud. I didn't grow up that way. I mean, my parents, they didn't love me that way. But today, right, I want to make God proud. He's my papa, right? And so part of that is if I get angry, you know, whatever, or if I need to basically forgive someone, I make a list of, you know, of how I, they may have hurt me so I can cancel that debt from love because I, that's basically God's forgiven me and now... In essence, I want to forgive the other person, you know, and I think that that's part of like with our step 10 and ultimately we're asking God for forgiveness, right? And so um, step 10 is, is awesome. And if we can practice it, it helps keep me from having to write a four step inventory. You know, if I can go to sleep, but it, you know, I can burn up in the morning, talk to someone, talk to God. And if I can by the time I go to bed, I'm just in a place of, you know what, I forgive them, I forgive them, I forgive them, and I don't bring it up three days later, then I know that I forgive them from the heart. And if it's still burning me up, then I know I gotta write some paper, you know? Thank you. This is the first time I do this. <laughs> My name is Arlene, I'm an alcoholic. Hello. Hello. And a little bit of drugs sometimes. Um, <laughs> this is the second time that I come. 
Um, and last week when I came, I took a lot of great keywords, um, well, everything that was shared. And today, the word mindfulness with your fear of, you know, the things from the past and, and the future, you know, because um, I kind of go through that a lot. And I have to tell myself, like, in Spanish, like, ubicate, you know, like, put your GPS and see where you're at. Like, you're here. This is, this is where you're at now. Um, and that kind of helps. Um, but uh, the word grace stayed with me, and it worked with me throughout the week. Um, when Luis mentioned something about picking our, uh, did he say volcanoes or tornadoes or something? <laughs> One of our natural disasters. Um, that also hit, um, cause I had just experienced that, um, you know, with my significant other and, and his drug addiction. And then, you know, me running to go get drunk because, cause you know, that makes you feel better. <laughs> he did this, I'm gonna go get drunk and I'm just going to forget about everything with my friends. Um, but at the end of the day, it doesn't help. And, you know, um, after the meeting and I thought about everything, uh, just like he was my natural disaster uh, with me drinking throughout my whole life. I have been that disaster to my kids. And it's something that, you know, we have to learn to kind of not live there um, and try to be, you know, the word strength came up. And I, I wrote all these words down. And those have just been like my keywords throughout the week. Uh, my daughter Saturday came home really drunk, fighting with her boyfriend, and it was just a disaster. I don't know how she slipped away from us, got in the car, she tried to drive off. We literally had to drag her out, and it was not good, um, which is also a reason why I chose uh, to start coming back to church and, and to come here, because, um, you know, I have my mini-me. <laughs> And a part, big part of it is because, you know, mom just always partied, you know. And if she had problems, well, you know, she, she partied more. <laughs> um, so the first thing my youngest brother said was like, you seen your mini-me? I was like, be quiet. <laughs> but it's true, you know, um, the experience that I had with my significant other, he was very, very close to punching me in the car with my 13 year old in the back seat. Mm. And I just started praying because at first I was, you know, you know, we we're just going back and forth. I was already gonna jump out the car. <laughs> he had to grab me and had a bruise for like a week and whatnot. But um, I heard my son tell me like, you know, mom stop. So I did close the door uh, and I started praying. I just started praying because I knew this per if I said anything else, this person probably was gonna end up punching me. And I didn't want my son to have to see that, you know? Um, so I just started praying and I just heard a voice say like, start with you, Let's start with you. And that is probably the main thing that start with me, that made me come here because you know, obviously I've been drinking since I was a little teenager because, you know, Mexicans, we start going to quinceañeras at 13. And <laughs> um, so, yeah, I just, I have to start with me. 
and thank you all of you for the words that you shared janice your story that you shared with me really stayed with me uh the things that you've been through and how so peaceful and graceful you carry yourself you're so soft-spoken you would never think that you suffered the things that you did mm -hmm. and that is power you know just being and walking that gracefully and and that soft-spoken it takes a lot of power to get there so that was a really good example for me thank right. you If you enjoyed today's podcast, we'd love for you to subscribe at eastlakebba.com. You can also help us reach others by spreading the word about our podcast. Thank you for joining us today on the East Lake Big Book Awakening Podcast.